BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Talk About Myths, baby. This is the podcast where a giant nerd about mythology, amongst many other things, tells you stories of ancient Greek, and in this case, Roman, myths. It's educational and it's entertaining. I'm the whole package, my friends. This is our third and final part of the story of Cupid and Psyche. My favorite myth of all time, that which resides in my heart forever. I hope you're all enjoying some nice fall weather and ideally not having to deal with the many terrifying natural disasters currently befalling our beautiful planet. Or I guess spring weather for Australia? Is that right? Anyway, today's podcast is a day late because this weekend was Canadian Thanksgiving and I was tired and didn't write or record it on time. Such is life. Now, I know I have a lot of American listeners, and I feel the urge to tell you a bit about Canadian Thanksgiving, notably that it takes place in October when the weather is still nice and warm and the leaves are still on the trees, just when that crisp fall air is starting to come around. It's really quite lovely, and sometimes I feel a bit sad that the other Thanksgiving is all the way in November. Isn't it too close to the winter holidays? Isn't it too cold? Don't they just blend into one another? 
Anyway, welcome American friends and enjoy a post-Canadian Thanksgiving episode. You'll recall from the last two episodes all the excitement and madness that we've covered when it comes to old Cupid and Psyche. But for the sake of all your memories, I'm going to provide a recap. So, Psyche is super beautiful, just mega hot. She's so hot that the people of her village start comparing her to Venus and eventually neglecting their worship of Venus because they're so goddamn obsessed with Psyche. Honestly, it's pretty weird. Her parents want her married off because that's just how this bullshit went, and so her father went to the Oracle to figure out how to make that happen. Meanwhile, Venus was so angry that the villagers of Psyche's town were neglecting her that she called upon her son, Cupid, who has all the characteristics of the famous Valentine's Day Cupid, but who was, importantly, an adult. Venus called on Cupid to prick Psyche with one of his love arrows when she was strategically placed in front of some monster person, so that she would fall in love with that monster person and therefore be off the market, leaving those villagers to go back to worshipping Venus. But what we now know is that Cupid was super into Psyche when he went down with the intention of fucking up her life, and a combination of his attraction to her and pricking himself with his own love arrow, which was pretty stupid, meant that Cupid was now in love with Psyche himself. So instead of ruining her life, he came up with a plan. But Psyche's dad had, of course, already gone to the Oracle, which is always a good idea and never ends badly. The Oracle gave some prophecy, and Psyche ended up abandoned on a mountain for a crazy monster to get her. But instead, she was whisked away to a palace that Cupid had set up, and they got married, and eventually she got pregnant. Except, Psyche didn't know who he was! She knew she was being visited by a mystery husband every night whose face she couldn't see, but she didn't know who he was. Her sisters ended up visiting and their bitches and tried to convince her to kill Cupid in the night, but instead she found out who he was and accidentally burned him with hot oil and made him mad and he left her and he went up to Mount Olympus to hide away with what was apparently a super dangerous burn. Psyche got revenge on her sisters and eventually went to see Venus to see what she could do about fixing the goddamn mess she was in. Venus gets real worked up, says some nasty stuff, and then threatens the life of the baby hold up in Psyche's womb. Not great. And we're caught up. Phew. This is episode 12. Ancient Cinderella, but with less singing and more violence. Cupid and Psyche, part 3. So here we are. Psyche is on Venus's territory, and Venus is not psyched. We hear that Cupid is in the same place, too, but they haven't seen each other yet. He is, of course, still deathly ill from his oil burn, which, I'll say again, sounds pretty benign, but what can you do? Maybe gods are immortal until they're burned with a little hot oil, and then everything goes to shit and it's all over. So, as further punishment for Psyche, for, you know, generally just being beautiful, but also for injuring Cupid, Venus grabs a whole slew of produce, or produce, whichever. She grabs hundreds of seeds and chickpeas and lentils and beans and basically all forms of tiny vegetables and legumes, and she throws them all together in a bag and shakes it around like a giant, pliable maraca. Venus then tells Psyche that she must take all these little pieces and sort them out again into their various types. Totally normal and not at all insane and super bizarre punishment. 
Then Venus leaves to attend a wedding, as you do. Psyche, though, just stares at this bag of veggies and legumes and is basically just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, lady? But it turns out Psyche's got friends. She's basically ancient cinder fucking Rella. A nearby aunt, yes, the bug, notices her plight and takes pity on her. Plus, we're told he's a fan of Cupid. Cupid's got a number of fans, as it seems. Little Ant Dude calls together all his hundreds of ant pals, and they take to the task. They sort everything into neat piles, and then they peace out. Easy peasy, what were you worried about, Psyche? Of course, later that night, Venus shows up. She's just been at a wedding, so she's totally wasted, and she sees that the task is done. Immediately, she knows it wasn't Psyche who did it, but instead of thinking maybe it was hundreds of tiny insects, she assumes Cupid had come along and magically helped Psyche. So she chooses to blame her injured son instead of bugs. Cupid is, of course, still locked up in his room. He couldn't have left anyway. He's hidden away, guarded, so he can't get out and see Psyche. They're both magically in love, in addition to having been together quite a while and having created a baby and everything, so kind of real love. So, you know, they're both kind of into seeing each other again. But Venus won't have any of that. So the next morning, Venus summons Psyche to see her again. She's got another totally insane punishment to dole out. She leads Psyche to somewhere fancy on Mount Olympus. I don't know if it's Mount Olympus. Wherever Venus lives permanently, who's to say whether it's magical or not? Anyway, that's where they are. Did I say Mount Olympus last week? Anyway, they look out on a field and Venus says, so down there are a ton of sheep. They just hang out and graze, totally chill. But here's the trick. They have golden fucking fleece. They just grow gold on themselves. You know, as you do. Now, Psyche, go down there and steal a tuft of their gold, will ya? Now, if you've heard of a myth specific to Golden Fleece, this is not it. That's Jason. These are probably the same sheep. I don't know. All I'm saying is this isn't the myth you're looking for. Psyche agrees, but not because she wanted to complete this task. No, she just thinks it would be a good way to kill herself and end it all. But what did we learn last time? It's super hard to kill yourself when you have personified or anthropomorphized beings there to stop you. See, in this case, a reed, like the plant that's in the nearby river, stops Psyche from killing herself. On top of that, that reed also tells Psyche that she doesn't want to try to get the tuft of gold from the sheep now. No, they're in a bad mood because it's hot and they're cranky and they'll def kill you if you try now. The reed tells Psyche to wait until the sheep have calmed down and hide in a tree and then shake the branches of that tree and she'll find all the tufts of gold she needs. So Psyche does and she brings the gold back to Venus, who is once again not super thrilled that this punishment didn't either drive Psyche crazy or straight up kill her. Venus has goals, if you haven't caught on. We're told, quote, the goddess scrunched up her eyebrows and said with a bitter smile, You two don't fool me. That degenerate did this for you as well. So once again, she blames her son. I think Venus is kind of losing it, honestly. Didn't this start because she loved her son so damn much? 
Now it seems like she's just blaming him for everything, even though she's the one who said he's near death. It just doesn't make any sense, Venus. Not to be outdone by herself, Venus has yet another crazy punishment slash task for Psyche to perform. She points to a mountain nearby with the river coming from it. That river being, you know, the river Styx, the famous river of the underworld. She tells Psyche to go get some water from that river and return with it. She hands her little crystal container to put it in and off goes Psyche. Psyche, of course, immediately thought of how she could just use this task to kill herself, something I wish she would stop doing because, frankly, it's getting a little tired. But turns out this mountain and the river are bananas. Just terrifying. The mountain is craggy with all these sharp cliffs and protuberances. A word in the book. You're welcome. And the river is literally described as belching. And it's basically all just terrifying. I mean, it's belching. And I guess for this reason, Psyche gives up trying to kill herself. But at the mouth of the river, she does encounter a bunch of unmoving serpents who start heckling her. That's right. They're like in the mountain, but also scary. So I guess they can do damage. They're not totally unmoving. Anyway, they say, quote, get out. What do you think you're doing? Hey, what are you up to? You'd better watch it. Beat it. This is as much as your life is worth. That last one seems a little over the top to me, but what do I know? Psyche's a bit overwhelmed by this, and she is basically just useless in fear. She's kind of just standing there. I mean, one of them did tell her that this is as much as her life is worth. That's a low blow. But then, old Jupiter decides to jump in, and yes, I did write Zeus there and have to correct it mid-sentence. There's my cat. His name's Lupin, by the way. Anyway, Jupiter comes down in his eagle form, something he sometimes does for a purpose other than to rape, which is nice of him. And he kind of heckles Psyche first, bugging her for not being great at this whole thing. He tells her that actually everyone is so afraid of this water that even the gods wouldn't dare to try to steal any of it. Then he grabs the jar from her, and he gets past the weird serpent guys with the judgmental tones, and he steals some of the water. And then, in a weird lie, he tells Psyche that he was there on order of Venus. Psyche brings it back to Venus, and in another surprise turn of events, Venus is not thrilled that Psyche succeeded. She says she has yet another task for Psyche to perform. This time, she's to go into the underworld. Yep, straight up into the world of the dead, which basically no one ever goes into because, you know, death. And she's to find the queen of the underworld, Proserpina. You know her as Persephone in the Greek. And she's to ask Proserpina for some of her loveliness because Venus wants it. Venus says to ask for some of the loveliness because Venus needs it, having run out caring for her sick son. <clears throat> Bullshit. Guys, I won't try to sugarcoat it. Psyche tries to kill herself again. Just, like, give it up, Psyche. You have stuff to live for. Just, you know, take a breath. Maybe see a psychiatrist. Anyway, 
she decides to launch herself off the top of a tower. This is the tower she's been staying in. But the tower itself, of all things, tells her not to kill herself. Weirdly, the tower also seems to have incredibly detailed instructions as to how to enter the underworld. Like, really detailed instructions. Where to go, who you'll encounter, the fact that when you're in a boat crossing the river, there will be a deceased senior swimming by who wants to get in, but you can't let him. I'm picturing Harry and Dumbledore trying to get the locket in the cave. Just bodies everywhere. Magic and fire. Anyway, Psyche receives these incredibly detailed instructions, which I won't try to explain here. There's a lot of talk of going to Lacedaemon, which is also called Sparta, you might know it, and finding a hole where she should enter and all this craziness. The underworld is not a nice place to be. Not at all. It's smelly and dark and full of monsters and guards and obviously hella dead people. The tower even tells Psyche about old Cerberus, Fluffy, the three-headed dog that guards the entrance to Proserpina's mansion. Give him some food, she's told, and she can get right by, because apparently it's very easy to get past a massive dog with three heads. Just throw it a raw steak, for God's sake. So Psyche listens to these instructions and gets to Proserpina and asks for some of her loveliness. Oh, and she's also explicitly told by the tower not to look inside and examine the contents of whatever Proserpina gives her. So... She follows every instruction down to the letter. She handles everything perfectly. No mess-ups at all. It's really quite incredible. Until, obviously, she decides she will look inside the jar that Proserpina gave her. Because curiosity and cats and all that. Of course, when she opens it, there's nothing inside. Very mysterious. Well... Nothing except an infernal sleep. Straight from the river Styx. And so immediately Psyche falls asleep and is... basically dead to the world. Unwake-upable, you might say, if you wanted to make up words. Now, up to this point, you might have thought, you know, this story is actually pretty incredible when it comes to females. I mean, sure, Psyche tries to kill herself like a hundred times, but you know, mental health is a real problem, so let's not criticize. Thankfully, she was saved. But otherwise, she's pretty badass. You know, she's completing all these tasks. She's trying to save herself and her marriage. You know, she's not running and hiding. She's standing up for herself. But let me stop you right there and remind you that basically everything in the ancient world came from the mouths of men. So while all of that is true and Psyche was a badass bee kicking ass, in this moment that Psyche has fallen asleep, Cupid realizes that his burn is all healed. How very lucky. So, of course, he goes looking for her and immediately finds her and immediately fixes things. Now, as much as I want to think blah, 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 here's another story of a man saving a woman even after she did lots of other stuff herself up until this very moment that she needed saving. As much as I want to say that, this moment is what is captured by Antonio Canova, the artist whose work I Instagrammed last week. Just go back and look at the post, okay? And I'm going to talk about it more at the end because... <sighs> 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. In this moment, Cupid finds Psyche and he wipes the sleep off her and back into the container and he tells her to finish her task and deliver it to his mother. He's got some things to handle. Cupid heads straight up to Mount Olympus and he goes to talk to our friend Jupiter, Zeus, all-powerful dipshit. Jupiter, in his defense, has a pretty fun speech to give to Cupid. Cupid, of course, asks Jupiter to intervene to stop Venus from causing Psyche so much grief and to just let them be married. In this translation, oh, you know the one, he calls Cupid Sunny Boss and accuses him of all sorts of exciting things, including, quote, In violation of public order, you have contrived disgusting adulteries, damaging my standing and reputation. My countenance should remain cloudless and above it all, but you have given it the low forms of wild animals and birds and chattel of the herds. So essentially he's blaming Cupid for all the times he's been a super creepy asshole. Then he has Mercury call a meeting of all the gods and goddesses. They convene to discuss the trouble that is Cupid. Quote, 
We've had enough scandal with these daily stories of his adulteries, seductions, corruptions, etc. We must eliminate any opportunity for more and bind his boyish friskiness with the hobbles of matrimony. Poetic, wouldn't you say? Then Jupiter turns to Venus and he tells her she can cool it, that her family reputation is intact, it's all good. Then he tells Mercury to go get Psyche. Mercury brings Psyche up to Mount Olympus, and Jupiter tells her to drink the ambrosia, the drink of the gods that I haven't really covered yet, but is a thing. He tells her to drink, and in drinking, become immortal, a goddess. She does, and then a wedding is held for them on Mount Olympus, all very decadent and exciting. It's attended by everyone, and there's lots of details of the contributions by some of the minor deities. But what I feel must be shared is that the hours, quote, empurpled everything with roses and flowers. That's right, empurpled, as in made purple. Purple! I guess I should say that purple was like the royal color in ancient Rome, but still, empurpled. God, I love it. Well, my friends, that is the story of Cupid and Psyche, and it only took three parts. In the future, I'll likely be doing multiple part episodes often, because there's this little thing called the Trojan War and the preceding and resulting madness that will likely take up quite a few episodes. If you have any suggestions as to how I can make multi-part episodes easier on you, the listener, let me know. Or if you just straight up enjoyed multi-parts, let me know too, because that would make me feel good. Now, as I mentioned... The Pieces of Art by Antonio Canova. So, they're amazing. But also, there's a they. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about this as they relate to my own life, because I'm just that into myself. I first went to the Louvre when I was like 16, and I don't know if I'd seen the piece before in pictures. I think I had, but anyway, I see his most famous piece, Amor e Psyche. The perfect marble and the stunning features. It's incredible. It's stunning. It makes my heart leap, even now. I've been obsessed with it ever since. I went to Rome when I was like 20 and there I bought a tiny figurine version. Cupid's face is kind of weird in it, but man, do I love it anyway. Later, I discovered that there was a version that was painted. A painting of the same piece, but with color and a background and more details. I lost it. Then, even more years later, when I was like 24, I went to New York and visited the Met. And frankly, I was a bit crazy and spent 90% of my visit in the Greek and Roman antiquities section. Big surprise. And I guess I should say here that Antonio Canova was much, much later. I think it was either during the Renaissance or even a few centuries later than that. Maybe 1800s? Anyway, finally, I I leave that section and I race around where my family is because, you know, they'd seen the rest of the museum. And I try to see the classics that you're supposed to see at the Met. Monet's Water Lilies, the Van Gogh collection, and I'm searching for those when I turn a corner and there it is. <laughs> I feel like you might think I'm dramatizing how this moment went, and I'm not. I lost my shit. There was yet another version of Amori Psyche. It's kind of a draft version, I guess. It's not done in marble, and it looks unfinished. It's rough and just rugged looking. Anyway, I'm examining it and losing my mind, and then I noticed that in this version, Psyche has wings! 
She has wings, you guys. Butterfly wings. <sighs> anyway, this is not new. There are many versions of art and maybe versions of the story where at some point Psyche has butterfly wings. I've never quite understood it. There's even a very famous painting of two cherubs, little chubby babies, one with Cupid wings and one with butterfly wings. And it's baby Cupid and Psyche and it's adorable. But anyway, the surprise for me was one, that a draft version of this statue existed at all because it was truly my favorite thing for like a straight decade and I never knew there was all this other, all this other, all these other versions. Can't speak, I'm too excited. Anyway, it was a big deal and I was like, holy fuck, she has wings and I'm like looking around and I didn't notice them and then there they were. It's all good, I'm fine. Anyway, to close off this rant, this story gets a bonus recommendation because old C.S. Lewis of Narnia fame actually wrote a novel retelling the story of Cupid and Psyche. It's in a different world and everyone has different names and those names are kind of weird, but otherwise it's basically exact and it's really fascinating and good. It's super not like Narnia at all. It's called Till We Have Faces, and I nearly lost my mind when I learned it existed. As usual, I'd be eternally grateful for reviews and ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, but iTunes is the easiest for those things. And I'd love if you would like the podcast on Facebook because it makes me feel validated. Everything is, of course, myths, baby. Look that up. You'll find me. It's a thing. Also, I've created a Patreon account for the podcast in case any of you brilliant and beautiful listeners happen to be like super duper rich and want to throw money at me. Or in case any of you are not rich at all like myself, but still feel like contributing and helping me create more of the podcast. I'm planning to do exclusive things for Patreon and no, I do not yet know what those things will be. But in the meantime, it still exists and is open to new patrons. Surprise, surprise, my Patreon is Myths Baby. I'll post a link on Facebook too. Thank you all so much for listening. It's it's a real thrill. I'm Liv, and I absolutely love this shit. That's my cat purring into the microphone. I kid you not, it's that loud. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. 
Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo.